Welcome to Sense by Meg Fora, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Fora, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. It is my absolute pleasure to be here with you. This morning, we are joined by Christina Mazrek, who has been with us a couple of times already before. We are tracking her journey with her youngest, little Connor. He is her third baby, so she is a seasoned mom of three boys, which in my mind makes her a super mom because yo, I'm just having one boy in my hands was a lot of work. My girls were a whole lot easier. But yeah, Christina's really had an incredible journey with little Connor. And so, Christina, Tina, welcome back today. Thanks, Meg. It's good to be back today. It is definitely hard work having three boys, but I don't know any difference. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is. The busyness, the busyness. Yeah, it's quite funny because, I mean, and you know, you, you don't want to gender stereotype children. And of course, there's also sensory personalities. But wow, my boy was like three children. <laughs> so when I see moms with three boys, I'm like, All right, that's that's got to be maxing out. <laughs> Keeps me very busy. Yeah, I'm sure. And your gap, just to remind moms, how old is, is Everett? How old are Everett and Lincoln now? So yes, Everett is my oldest. He's turning eight in 2023. Mm-hmm. And Lincoln is turning six. And then we have little Connor who is going to be 20 weeks and two days. That's incredible. And we started tracking you when he was, I think he was about 14 weeks old or or just after he was three months old. And we've been tracking his journey. Really, really amazing. So how has he been this week? What does the mother of a 20 week old look like? Well, ever since we first started tracking, he's just improved and improved and improved in terms of routine and sleep and regulation. But we've gone through a new hurdle recently where he's overcoming a bit of a cold. Um, Yeah, yeah. shame. But he's handled it like a champ. There's so many lurgies. And especially when you've got older children, because they tend to bring back all the lurgies from school. And Mm. so you end up dealing with that. It really is tricky. So how's his feeding being with that? So he's still feeding quite eagerly. It does look like it's a little bit more of a struggle. So we are bottle feeding from from two weeks old. And, you know, it's just that congestion in their in their nose. You can see he's struggling to breathe mm. while he feeds. Mm. So there's a lot of breaks. But I'm so impressed with him. He's been quite happy and chilled considering the fact that I can see he's battling with congestion. Yeah. So it's it's disrupted his nights for a bit. But I would say it, st- it all started on Thursday. Today's Wednesday. Day. And last night was a much better night. And he's still coughing and spluttering a little bit. We're not completely through with it. He's still getting the congestion out. But I'm very happy to see that he's continued to do quite well. It hasn't turned into a secondary infection. And we haven't seen any viral-induced asthma, which for my family is amazing because I get a viral-induced asthma, as does my second son, Lincoln. And that's very scary because what just goes from normal cold flu-like symptoms and basic congestion turns into a difficulty to breathe. And that's very scary. 
No, that is really, really scary. And, you know, building immunity is such an important part of, of early childhood and getting these little bugs is a, is a very important part of that. I mean, I'm sure that you know that little ones have to have a whole lot of illnesses before they actually arrive at the doorstep of school, you know, kind of six yeah. years old. And it's establishing that immunity over the years. And I always, you know, kind of talk about the foundations of immunity when we, when we chat about things like cold. So the first one obviously comes from the placenta. So in utero, you would have transferred all of your wonderful, you know, kind of antibodies across to him as well. And those antibodies do start to wane as, as they get a little older. They've got to start to build their own antibodies. Mm. And that comes also from breast milk and colostrum. So he would have had yes. colostrum in the early days, which would have given him that nice little boost there. And then yes. obviously breast milk does carry antibodies as well. You Are, are you bottle feeding formula or are you bottle feeding express breast milk? So I we're bottle feeding formula. We okay. we did exclusive breast milk, so all that good colostrum up mm. until two weeks when I got a really bad case of mastitis. Mm. And at the same time that that happened, my C-section wound got infected twice. And so it was very insane. Mm. And I just, I just let the breast milk dry up. That was the best thing I could do mm. for our whole family as a mom. Yeah. And for your time. stress so levels. Very, Absolutely. Very stress levels mm. and just coping with three kids and mm. the new dynamics. And he's been doing really well. So I'm very grateful mm. for modern formulas. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then from now, what ends up happening is that they, they now start to build their immunity based on the nutrition they take in. Plus all those little bugs that they are exposed to that they can do a little bit of a fight against and then recover from. So that's the way that immunity develops, which is exactly what he's doing. And when we last spoke, we had just started solids. How's that solids journey going? Yeah, so I wanted to chat to you about that today. It's it's definitely going. I have to manage my expectations because they I think they're supposed to consume so little at this point. So each time is very messy and, yes. and quite non-productive. So at the moment we're doing the fruit. I've made him an apple and pear blend that we do in the morning. And then we do a yellow or sorry, an orange veg and a green veg. And he's just doing like an ice cube size, which is one to three tables, uh, teaspoons. Yeah. And it's sort of like you put it in and he spits it out. You push it back in, spits a little bit less out. Mm. You get another scoop and it's just goes, sort of goes on until the tiny little portion is done and half of it's on his clothes and half of it got in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that kind of is exactly what we're expecting at this age, of course. And, you know, I think a lot of mums, when they start the weaning journey, they think, number one, this is going to like magically be a whole lot of calories that my baby's going to be taking. And then number two, that's going to have an impact on sleep. And so they'll start to sleep through. Those are kind of the things that people think. But the truth of the matter around early weaning, and this is particularly between four and six months of age, is that it's all about experimentation. That's all it is. It's just exposure. It's not It's not the calories. It's not the nutrients. And it's really definitely not about sleeping through. So that sounds like he's doing the perfect job of experimenting with the food as it goes in. Yeah, no, it's been, it's fun. I, I, I loved introducing solids with my older boys as well. It's just, it ch changes up the day a bit from the mundane mm. and you get to see them make different facial expressions. And I've seen him now start to like suck his hands while he's eating. And it's very much like you said, it's almost developmental and sensory and super well, it fun. It is what it is. Yeah. And are you following wean the Weaning Sense book or the Parent Sense app? What what recipes so are I, you following for him? I'm sort of integrating what you're suggesting on the app in terms of where I am on my profile. I look at the routine and it will tell give me ideas of what he should be having for each meal. But at the same time, I've taken 
on board what I've discussed with my pediatrician. And this is what I wanted to discuss with you is I find that the information available is very different everywhere you look. Mm. So I was advised from his clinic nurse and the pediatrician to start with fruits and veg. But when I looked today on the parents app, it said that he should have like a bit of a porridge in the morning Mm. and then the veg with a protein for dinner. Mm, okay. And for the other guide that I was given, he's still not supposed to have any grains or protein. Yeah. Okay. And you bring up a very, <laughs> very important point here. And that is that particularly when it comes to weaning, there is so many bodies of knowledge and advice and it's super conflicted and really actually quite confusing for new moms. So let's talk through a little bit mm-hmm. around the science behind why we recommend what we recommend. So I also recommend starting with fruit and vegetables, 100% on that. And the veggies that I normally recommend starting with are the orange veggies. And the reason for that is that they're gentle on the tummy. Okay. They've got an, a nice amount of, of unprocessed carbohydrates. And so I think that is the perfect start. And so if you if you actually okay, do great. look in your first two weeks of weaning on the Parent Sense app, it is predominantly butternut, orange, sweet potato, sweet potato, carrots. It's a lot of your orange and starchy vegetables that we start with. Yes. And we do pop fruit in as well because we've got no problem with popping in fruit in and mixing them in with veggies or having them on their own. So 100% agree with your okay. pediatrician and your clinic sister. Definitely. So the question okay. comes, why did you see a grain on his meal plan this morning? So the other thing that we do believe is that we we talk about fairly rapid introduction of a variety of flavors and foods. And there's a lot of okay. science to support this. And Kath McGaw, who's a pediatric dietitian who is on the advisory panel for the app and has informed the choices of the recipes and when they get introduced, she cites an enormous amount of, of studies and literature that show that early introduction of varieties important for two reasons. One, that it decreases the chance of allergies and two, it decreases the chance of picky eating. And that's because Mm. little ones under the age of about eight months are much more receptive to a wider repertoire of tastes than they are when they get a little bit older. And that's because the bitter taste buds come on later and they just develop their own will. And so they become quite rigid. So that's why we like to use that early weaning stage. So that's anywhere between four and kind of seven months of age to introduce a really nice variety of flavors to decrease picky eating. The second thing is that we know, and the science is telling us that in the context of a baby who is not a high-risk allergy baby, and we spoke about that for people who want to know what a high-risk allergy baby is, go back and listen to Christina and my last podcast where we actually spoke about Connor, who is a high-risk allergy baby because he has got significant allergies in his family, but he has been tested and we not, and he was only tested because he is a high-risk allergy baby. So not every mother has to go out and get their babies to have a skin prick test, but he was tested and he is clear. Now, what we know about babies who are not high-risk allergy, and also now in the case of Connor, because we know he's not an allergic baby, is that earlier introduction of allergens is very protective against allergies. So as opposed Mm. to the old train of thought, which was early introduction of allergens could increase the chance of allergies, we now know it's absolutely the opposite. And that's why things like grains and wheat in particular and our proteins come in under six months inside the app. So if you look at the mm. app, you will, by the time Connor hits six months, he would have already had peanuts, fish, egg, which are your high risk allergy foods. Yes. The foods that are more typical to create allergies and also definitely wheat and, and glutens and, and that type of thing. 
And yeah. that's because the research shows that if you delay those too late, and look, I mean, the research is talking about after eight, eight to 10 months, but if you delay it too late, your risk of allergies increases. So we mm. bring it in earlier on. What it does is it does not increase the chance of allergies in a typically developing baby like it kind of is. And it also gives him a wide repertoire of food, which is actually what we want. Another mm. reason why we do this is because our social butterflies tend to get really bored if they're not actually accelerated onto new foods quite early on. Okay. So what a typical day could look like for a 20-week-old, and remember the app is very specific as it only shows you what foods to introduce depending on when you actually introduce solids. So in other words, if mm-hmm. you have a 20-week-old, which he is today, and you introduce solids yesterday, your app will only show you orange fruit, uh, orange right. vegetables, because okay. you're super early on in that journey and that's what's appropriate. But mm. in your case, because you probably introduced solids, I'm guessing two weeks ago, yes. um, maybe yeah, maybe three weeks, two or three weeks ago, he's now starting to move on to having more meals in a day. So he's either having two or maybe even three meals in a day, mm. in which case one of them will be a carbohydrate meal that has porridges in it. Okay. And our porridge recipes, if you look at them, are incredible because they've got a little bit of porridge, which we, which you can make yourself because you can just grind up the oats yourself or you can grind up the millet or the, you know, whatever, rice even. You can, you know, get that really powdery on your own. They've also all got, most of them have got fruit in them. And then most of them have actually got a spice in them as well. So you'll see that there's a, an oats porridge pear and cardamom recipe, which is divine as an adult breakfast. But it's really, you know, interesting flavors coming through for them right from this age. Okay. Interesting. No, that makes sense now what you were saying about the different approaches. It's just a little bit of a faster introduction in terms of variety for the parent sense approach, but I'm very excited because I've been looking forward to introducing grains. This episode is brought to us by Parent Sense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. Yeah, no. And, you know, I think it's so interesting. I think gra- grains got a bad rap. So grains, there was a period of time in history where grains was always the first line of defense for infant food. In fact, my son was one of those. I mean, it was like you, babies stay on rice cereal for like three, three months from, yes. from the time they're four months old to seven months old. It was like the most ridiculous thing. And of course, what we were feeding them and, you know, I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you about my first introduction of solids to James. We'd gone to Mauritius, my husband and I, on a holiday when he was three months old, we were both just feeling like we needed to, you know, get away, obviously with him, took him with, he was a breastfed baby, took him with, and we went to Mauritius. So I took with me my, my breast pump because I would express after meals. And so I would have some uh, after feeds. And then I would also have my bottles because then I could give him the top ups of this express breast milk in the evening. And that was my process, but I took no formula and I took no cereals because he was, I think he was about four, I think he was about four months old. So yeah, he must have been four months old. Anyway, we arrived there and gosh, he got completely disrupted and started showing all sorts of signs that he needed solids or more formula. I decided, well, I'm not going to do formula because he's an exclusively breastfed baby, but I'm not too opposed to solids. I'll introduce solids. 
Anyway, I went off to the local, I mean, I think it was a Chinese cafe on the corner, you know, somewhere in, in the south of Mauritius. And the only rice cereal they had was this this kind of Chinese rice cereal. And, you know, honest <laughs> to goodness, in retrospect, when I think about what I put into my baby's mouth as his first solid food, I could absolutely cry because it was Shame. <laughs> highly processed. If you tasted it, it tasted divine like sugar. It probably had sugar in it. Um, I couldn't read the ingredients on it. So, I mean, when you look at all the principles for introducing first foods, I made every single mistake possible. I mean, he's still alive and he's fine. He did have allergies, but <laughs> I don't know that that had anything to do with the food I was offered. But the point is that the principle now that we understand is mm -hmm. the food you want to feed your baby in the early days needs to look like it looked when it came out the ground as you start to prepare it. And, you know, boxed yes. cereal doesn't look like it looks when it came out the ground. It doesn't. Butternut does, you know, and that's why we Absolutely. go through those kind of for those whole foods. You know, fast forward after James kind of 15 years, you then had the whole Tim Noakes debate, or maybe it was maybe 10 years later, there was a whole Tim Noakes debate around having absolute no carbohydrates. And suddenly babies had no carbs in their diet, you know. There Even was for no babies. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. That was one of, I mean, if you you need to go back and have a look at some of the con controversial tweets and drama that happened around that. You know, there was no carbohydrates for babies. And of course, thank goodness, wisdom has prevailed and we understand carbohydrates are not all evil. It's just the way they're prepared that can be evil. So when I fed James was evil. It was horrible. No baby should have had that. Shame. But a nice, wholesome porridge, oats, oats porridge, oats cereal is absolutely awesome for babies. And so it's not that the carb is the bad thing. It's, you know, it's just how it's prepared and do you know what's in it? Yeah, you, you raise an important point when we talk about these big debates and things that we see online. I think the most important thing we can do for ourselves as people, but especially as parents, is just literally look at the science ourselves mm -hmm. and educate ourselves because that argument made so many people think, or I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of previous ones because I didn't know about that debate, but I mean, there was also the Atkins diet, which was very mm. similar to the Tim Noakes diet. And it made people on a general level think that carbohydrates were incredibly bad for you. Mm -hmm. And that's an entire group of a macronutrients, which yeah. you're not then looking at food groups and processing and micronutrients that mm. come. So if you just take some time to educate yourself, you'll understand that we all need fats, proteins, carbohydrates. Yeah. We need animal sources, plant-based sources, and that you just have to be balanced mm, <laughs> and try to cook your own food as much as you can. And like you said, have it come in its original form Boom. Exactly. before you start cooking it at home. And you know what's so interesting is that Kath McGorg did a talk, and this is also going back to 2014, that really kind of blew my mind away. And she said, let's have a look at the composition of breakdown of breast milk. And she said, if you think about it, just think about it logically. Your baby's gut is prepped for breaking down breast milk. And so why would, and breast milk is incredibly high in fats and high in proteins, and it's obviously got carbohydrates mm. as well, but it's a really nice mix of, of the three. And so why would you take them from this absolutely like kind of balanced, you know, every macronutrient is on display there. Why would you take them into a pure carbs diet? You, you, you shouldn't do that, you know. Mm. And one of the things that you'll notice in the app is that we have carbohydrates with fats very early on. I mean, you'll start mm. to see it coming through that add a little bit of coconut fat to this or, you know, add some olive oil or Add, add in your dairy, your dairy fats as well. So we really do look at, you know, getting our fats in as early as possible into those meals. Avocado is one of the best fats known to man, mm. you know, so mix that into, you know, any of your vegetable and fruit dishes and, and your meat dishes. So yeah, we do, we do want it all to be really balanced.
Lovely. Well, I'm so excited to feed him Avo. We are an Avo loving family. And so that was why it was really hard when my second son was one of the things he was allergic to in the beginning, which thankfully he's outgrown. This one was Avo. Mm -hmm. That was really hard. And we, to this day, he won't touch it. So now that he's not allergic, I have to put Avo oil in as many of his meals as I can. So he's Mm -hmm. getting the protein of that plant, but not eating it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Avo is fabulous. So what has he been up to this week developmentally? Yeah. So I think the last time we spoke, he was doing very short amounts of tummy time before he would start to cry. And Mm -hmm. I think it was like three to five minutes. And now he's super happy on his tummy. He is just sitting there on his stomach, like playing for ages, like up to 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah, no, it's really good. He's very, very animated and excited by his environment. We set up his little play mat and put him on his tummy with a little mirror in front of him and a bunch of soft baby toys in front of him that he can try to reach and grab. Brilliant. He is reaching and grabbing a lot, pulling things to his mouth. He started to try to eat his bath toys now, which is a new thing as well. And the biggest milestone I'm starting to look out for, this is the next one that he should be reaching by 25 weeks, according to your app, is finding his feet. Mm. So I've seen him start to, when he's laying on his back, lift his legs up in the air and look at his feet, but then Brilliant. they go back down again quite quickly. So he's close. Brilliant. And I yeah. do Has he discovered um, help his him. knees? No, he hasn't. Okay. So he'll discover his knees and then his feet. And that's okay. that's kind of the progression that they do. You know, they kind of put them up and then their hands will go to their knees and then their hands will go to their feet. And it'll happen certainly. Look, the fact that he's bringing his feet up, because when we spoke about that last time, we spoke, it was in reference to rolling. So mm. at the time, your question was, you know, what is the right age for him to roll? And I said, look, aside from working his back muscles, which he'll do in tummy time, he's not going to work his tummy muscles by raising his feet. And he hadn't quite yes. started to do that at that time. And that was just two weeks ago. So he's doing really well now because he's now found his feet and is bringing them up. And he rolls onto his side. Excellent. Especially if he sees his bigger brothers walk into the room or walk past him. He rolls onto his side so he can turn his head and look. Look at them. It's very cute. Yeah. So developmentally, he's absolutely where he should be. And we're really Mm. happy about that. Your app is just incredible because sometimes I think, okay, wait, he's sort of been the same for a few weeks. Like, should something be happening here? And then I go back and I look and I'm like, okay, I've got five more weeks for that to happen. And then you also give (laughs) such great tips every day for helping us push them along. Like, you know, the activities that help them develop how they should to reach those milestones. Those are incredibly helpful. Yeah. So there's activities. It's so interesting. We did a survey just last week. We asked mums what the best part of the app was and what the feedback that came back was the play activities, which was amazing because, you know, obviously the meal plans and the recipes are there and the routine is there as well. But what is people are really loving are those play activities. How Mm. do you find the routine? Because I know that you, I mean, are you, do you enjoy a routine with him and how does that work out? big advocates for routine. (laughs) So what's happened in his routine now is that his awake windows are a little bit longer. He's going for about two hours now. And he's also starting to have longer naps. In fact, yesterday and today, I had to go in and like open the windows so he would wake up after two and a half hours. Wow! But that was only one nap each day that he did that long one. And then the other two were short. So he's gone from five short naps a day to three naps a day, one of them being really long and the other two being short. 
That is absolutely incredible. And I think you're going to have a lot of moms who really green with envy because it's not usual for them to get that down pat so early. So often babies are doing those very long sleeps until about six weeks and then suddenly they become more wakeful yes. and then they start doing those 45 minutes sleeps and you can literally set your clock. You know, you know when 45 <laughs> minutes happens because like 45 minutes, boom, they're awake. So, and then moms get really frustrated because that you can't do anything in 45 minutes. I mean, if he's having five naps of 45 mm. minutes, it's like you, you can't even get a shower and get dressed in that time just about. <laughs> so moms get hugely frustrated and for most babies, they only start to stretch that one long sleep at six months. Wow. And it's usually when, when they're having full solids. So he started to do that earlier, which is really, really excellent. So we will see if it, he consistently does that because yeah. he, he for the past few weeks, he's done that occasionally. So yesterday he did it today. He did it this morning for his first sleep. And I think like a week and a half ago, he did it once or twice as well. So it's not at this point in time, a very consistent thing, but is something I've started to see a little bit of. Yeah. Which is amazing. And then one confusing thing about the routine is when they finish that last nap of the day, when they wake up anywhere between like 3.30 and 4.30, maybe 3.30 is a bit too early. It's like that feeling of, should he have one more short nap before Mm -hmm. bedtime? Or do I just sort of stretch his awake window Mm -hmm. a bit longer? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I know exactly. And it's it's exactly at this age that, that that happens. And you'll see on the app what it says is a catnap. You, you'll be yes, told I read do that. a catnap. And those catnaps can be 15 minutes. What I used to do with my little ones at this age is I would go for a walk around the block with the dogs and the baby in the pram. And literally they would fall asleep in the pram and I would only be a 15 minute walk. And when I got home, I would, I would raise them up out of the pram and get them awake or in the carrier. Okay. That's a good idea. So literally 15 minutes. And then they're kind of a little bit dog tired for about five minutes because they wanted to sleep for the full 45. But just give them 15 minutes and then you've reset it. So the important principle is whatever your bedtime is. So let's say you want your bedtime to be 6.30 with Connor. Mm. By 4.30, you really do want him to be awake because then then you're giving him that full two-hour awake window. And so that means that at 4.15, if he had, if he, let's, let's say he woke up at, at three, you know, three o'clock and you just know he's never going to go from three o'clock to, to 6.30, no. it's just not possible. Then I would say at 4.15, you just take him, pop him in the sling or the carrier or in the pram, get him to sleep, whatever mean you can, and then, but then wake him after 15 minutes. And okay. so that's, that's the way to manage those catnaps. And they eventually do go away, but only, I mean, he's only going to be ready to go to two sleeps when he is nine months old. So he, mm. you've, got, you know, you've got quite a bit of time still where he's going to be needing all of those three sleeps. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, he pretty much does go to bed for the night. His bedtime it usually ends up always being around 6.30 because it mm. obviously depends on what time he woke up from that last nap. I did attempt a cat nap yesterday because he woke up, I think, at 10 past four. And I thought, oh, no, I don't know what's going to happen here. I tried to put him down for that cat nap and he just cooed and played for 20 minutes in his cot. Maybe if I had put him in the carrier and walked around the block, I mean, that's usually quite a sleep machine. But since for the last, like, I want to say six weeks, he has taken every single sleep in his cot to the point where that is his familiar space. Mm, He doesn't really 
want to sleep anywhere else. I went for a walk around the other day and he was just awake looking yeah. at the trees yeah. and the birds. So he's definitely yeah. associated. So sleep. he might even not fall asleep on the go. And that can be then yeah. a little frustrating because, you know, he, he's also not going to fall asleep in the cot because he's not quite tired enough and you can't mm. get him to sleep in any other way. You know, I think if that does happen and let's say he'd woken at three and you just know he's not going to make it to 630 in the evening, you know, then you probably are going to need to allow him a little bit of a sleep, maybe at half past four and then push bedtime outside slightly later. So mm. you can be a little bit more flexible. Christine, we are about to launch a really exciting piece of the app. And in fact, by the time this podcast flights, I think it will have launched, which will be what's called the responsive routine, which is where whatever you log creates the rest of the, anything that comes afterwards, yes. it creates the day for you. And you can also put in a different sleep, bedtime. You can say, well, tonight he's going to go to bed at seven o'clock because we know we're going for dinner or whatever it is. And it'll adjust your whole routine according to that. Brilliant. So, we've got some really exciting pieces of technology technology coming out in terms of the routine, which I'm excited about. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, it has been wonderful catching up with you. I love hearing where little Connor is and we will definitely catch up again. I'm loving following him and tracking him. I'm positive that the next time you and I talk, he will be playing with his feet and rolling over to the side and rolling over probably all the way and that he'll probably be on full proteins as well. So it's incredible to watch his journey and thank you for being with us. Thanks, Meg. Have a good one. Have a lovely day. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.